0: everyone today we have the second season of the emerging markets retail podcast we will discuss the future of retailing in emerging markets rafa can you tell us a bit more on this
1: of course so um, emerging markets as as you all know and and this is the reason why we do the podcast right um, emerging markets are currently located in a very exciting uh, you know um, uh, point Given that there will be, you know, lots of lots of changes coming in this uh, in these economies. Um, first of all, I mean, we're talking about, you know, a very very large, uh, population base. So six point fifty six billion people in 2020. Eighty six percent of the global population living in emerging economies, and at the same time, we see that many of these countries are experiencing, you know, rapid GDP growth, uh, which is going to lead to um, uh, you know, a, a huge spur of innovation in the upcoming decades, and as such, you know, retailers will be experiencing drastic, drastic changes to their strategies. And um, today, we have a, a couple of guests. Camila is going to tell us more about this, um, who have, you know, been examining this very, very closely. And so, we're really excited to have them on board to sh- to share with us some of their insights. Um, in in terms of what is going to happen in the future of retailing in emerging markets. So, Camilo, who do we have with us today? Well, we have
2: two outstanding guests. We have uh, Dr. Divya Ramachandran. She's an assistant uh, professor of marketing at the Asper School of Business at the University of Manitoba. And also Dr. Shafali Gupta. She's a Maniair chair professor of marketing at MICA in the strategic marketing department. And yeah, as you were mentioning, Rafa, we are going to discuss uh, part of the research Uh, they published uh, a paper entitled Emerging Market Retail Transitioning from a product-centric to a customer-centric approach. So why don't we jump into the next part of the episode and discuss with the experts?
1: Let's go for it.
0: Yes, let's go.
2: welcome back. And here we have our guests today, Chafali um, and Divya, you know, to discuss the work on on how to transition this uh, product centric approach to a to a customer centric approach. So perhaps uh, Simona, you can kick off the, the this uh, Q and A session, you know.
0: Yes. Thank you, Camille. Um, Yeah. So we had a very uh, important question for you to talk about first. Like you say, it's very important to switch from a more product-centric to a customer-centric approach. And we first wanted to ask you, can you explain to our listeners what you mean with this and why it's so important? All right.
3: So uh, before we move uh, with a discussion related to the you know, the retail in the retail context, but let's try to understand what exactly these two approaches are like, what is this product centric approach? And what is this customer centric approach? So if we look at it, your name itself suggests, what is the product centric, which says that manage the product, the, the, the decision making, or the management is more focusing on managing the product, right? So more than the You know, like they are looking for the customers, but they are looking for that which product is profitable to sell and how many customers can we sell this product to. Right. So basically the marketing decisions, all the marketing decisions, whether it is investing into the marketing activities and so forth and so forth. Right. It is based on the historic measurement of the past value of profitability of that particular given product. Right. However, moving to the customer-centric approach changes a complete, you know, it, it, it's a it's a paradigm shift in the management thinking, which suggests that rather than product, how can we manage our customers well? Who are our most most profitable customers? And how many products can we sell to the existing customers rather than selling more products to you know to to the to the same set of customers? Right. So so that that so. Based on that, what happens that the marketing decision is more like forward looking, which says that the same customer can come again and again for purchase and repurchase, and we try to sell more products to them. So it is managing the customer profitability, looking into their future prospects and the future profitability. So these are the, you you know, like if we look at the differentiation between these two concepts. So while we look at that, how it's going to happen in the emerging market, so whether it is really needed to talk about whether the things are perfectly fine to be the product center, right? So that has been the focus of our paper where we said that, well, in the emerging market setup, where it has always been the product selling approach or a little bit of the customer relationship building, is it important now that we move towards the customer centric approach
0: that's very interesting and we have one follow up question because this given the uh, the local neighborhoods in which those small stores and emerging uh, countries are typically operating in do you think that they maybe can leverage that and benefit from that to uh, develop based on their local knowledge like more customer oriented uh, focus
4: uh, do you mean like their personal relationships, or the fact that they know? Um, exactly. Okay, these are the ten customers. Uh, so, to be honest, that was one of the things that uh, we had also talked about when we were, you know, trying to conceptualize this. That yes, there is definitely a much more deeper connection that these retailers um, built with their customers. But do they really think that deeply when they are trying to recommend a product, or you know, say that? oh, my customer bought this product last week, hence they're going to need this product to go with it this week or so on and so forth. The the kind of things that we are aided with analytics, it it becomes so easy in uh, the developed market context. Those decisions are not necessarily top of mind for these mom-and-pop stores or even the bigger organized retailers, right? So yes, they could leverage it. And I think... What Shafali and I would agree on is that ideally, what we would want all of these um, emerging market retailers to do is take the best of both worlds. Take the best of your knowledge as far as your customers are concerned, your personal relationships with them, your understanding of what they what they think like, what they need, and what they look for, and use analytics to make your decision making so much simpler. So I think that is that that would be the ideal marriage.
3: And again, you know, uh, Simon and uh, Rafael, you are doing uh, research in emerging markets. And I'm sure that you might have, uh, uh, you know, like experienced this as an insight coming from those markets that the landscape is too diverse. It is too diverse and fragmented. So the kind of things what I'm telling you, it is working in the urban context. But in the rural context, this relationship still exists. Right the credit thing you know that I buy I need not to pay upfront is too very common you just write it down in the piece of paper or in your books right and we will settle it down later on right but here in the urban context that has really gone down we are now talking about the UPIs and and the super apps and the payment apps right so immediately like even a even a small retailer or even, you know, the hawker, they will have the QR code with them and you just, you know, scan it and give the pay the money, right? Even you will not see that kind of technological advancement in the developed market. So those kind of things are changing. Some of the leapfrogging is amazing. And I'm sure that is actually opening a lot of, uh, you know, like opportunities uh, for the retailers, specifically in the emerging markets. Yep.
1: Wonderful. Yeah, this is, this is really a, a very exciting and wonderful discussion. So I, I, I would like to stay in this uh, uh, line of thought of uh, you know, coming up with these examples. And that's one thing that I really enjoyed about reading your paper is that you really provide a wealth of examples from different channels and different solutions uh, that are out there to, to serve uh, consumers in, in emerging markets um, and not just in emerging markets, also more broadly, actually. Um, so I, I was wondering whether you could you know in your perspective um, um, tell us which are some of the solutions that are being used that you were most excited about when you were uh writing this paper um and and to what extent do you think you know that there is already enough of a maturity in emerging market uh retail chains and 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 you know uh nano stores to uh, start adopting these uh these uh these tools?
3: Yeah, Devera. Okay, can I take the question? Yeah, yeah,
4: sure. Um, so I think one of the examples Mm -hmm. that I really liked, uh, when we were working on the paper, and I think that's something that, uh, you know, continues to stay on my mind, is the the example that we gave about Alibaba's Hema stores. Um, so obviously, being in the US for a good number of years, there were a lot of things that I had taken for granted. Right. Like the fact that you can order things off an app, their same day delivery, Um, you can, you know, put things in your cart on the app and then go into the store, you know, check, like touch and, you know, feel the product there and then buy it, have them delivered all the way to your home, whatever it is. Right. All of that stuff was so cool to me. And then, you know, I started reading up on things, obviously, as I went through the PhD program and working on this paper, I read about the Hamer store, example. And I was thinking. That right there is a wonderful convergence. It's like such a perfect little integration of, you know, what's going on online and what's going on offline, right? So um, Jack Ma basically coined this term called new retail. And, and these Hema stores are like a living uh, proof of what that new retail is, right? It's omnichannel um, strategy at its best. And I think that example is one that really stood out to me. They use analytics to drive that integration. Like that's the glue that kind of holds it together. That's the fuel that powers that vehicle. And um, I think that was one of the nicer, um, you know, really cool, really uh, interesting examples that captured my attention as we were um, writing it up. And obviously, the fact that that has inspired, you know, places like Kroger and Target and Whole Foods. And I, I was I was I was quite taken aback i didn't know that that's where it came from i thought you know the u.s stores were coming up with these ideas themselves but then i noticed oh the inspiration comes from the emerging markets so that's something that i would have i wouldn't have known
3: yeah and um again like uh, if we look at some of the things which uh, is quite amazing uh, i'm sure that those things are happening um in the developed market too but the way emerging market is embracing uh, some of the new age technologies. And of course, when we talk about the the adoption of AI or adoption of virtual reality and the augmented reality, it all comes with the adoption of analytics because at the background, the analytics goes in. So, AI-powered virtual fitting rooms, right, virtual reality, like the 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 person goes there and you need not to do anything. You just, you know, like just click what clothes you want to buy and, and you just see that whether it fits to you or not, right. Recently when, um, like, we were doing our home, like, you know, the renovation of our home and we needed some of the fittings, right, the, uh, you know, the ambience lights and all that stuff. And I was surprised to see and quite amazed that I was being told, well, there is no, I said, like, see, I'm a busy professor. It's not, it is, I, I really cannot travel from one end to another end of the city just to look into some of the, you know, like beautiful ame- uh, ambience lights. So they, no, there is no need for you to travel. Just open your laptop and get into the virtual reality store of a very famous, you know, like a uh, uh, brand, which is Asian Paints, right? So you go there and you can just look into everything. So with my mouse click, I could see all the lights, their rates, how would it look like? And if at all, I have the dimensions of my room and the I, I can really try those fittings out there in the in the you know, augmented reality form. Likewise, the virtual reality, like I want to try my, you know, a watch I want to buy and I want to try on my wrist. There's no need that I need to take out all the watches and I just click it and they just see that how it will look like on my wrist. So there are some of the examples which are pretty amazing and which have been adopted by the retailers. And in our paper, we have actually, you know, Rafael has rightly said, we have tried to provide, you know, a lot of such examples. And if you have gone into the, into the supplementary material which has been provided. It has all the more because the paper had the limitation of the pages, yeah. right? But uh, we, we have added uh, a lot more there too in the exhibit. So I'm sure that we can add more value to the readers.
1: Yeah. And I mean, we, we've been touching on this point a little bit during the discussion already, but um, t- to what extent do you think developed countries are the benchmark here? Um, in terms of the analytics capabilities and to what extent do you know retailers in emerging markets needs to, need to draw inspiration from there and strive to get there or to what extent actually emerging markets might have some advantages. So I, I was wondering whether you could say a few words about this um, interaction.
3: All right, I'll take this question and then Divya can add on to it. A very interesting question, Rafael, because it has always been um, accepted fact that uh, eastern markets have always look up to the western markets and uh, they get the ideas and the innovation comes from the western market to the eastern markets or the you know from developed market to the emerging markets or third world countries and also you know like um, but again at the same time here i would like to make a point that at the same time there is a there is a reverse innovation kind of thing too where because one point which we need to k- take in consideration that emerging markets have less resources, but at the same time, they have a wealth of creativity and come up with that, how the solution can be most innovative and optimal in, in the presence of those less resources. So that this resource constraint, yes, we look up to the developed markets that, okay, what's going on there? but we might not have the same resources available here. So it cannot be copied and taken as it is in this market. We have to innovate something and we have to see that what suits the best to us. So hence, yes, inspiration can be taken, but at the same time, I feel that in few places we are leapfrogging. The use of mobile apps, the use of mobile phones, it is phenomenal. It is not happening in the developed market the way we are using or the way the emerging market consumers are using mobile phone as their first screen in the developed market there are multiple screens for the multiple purposes but here you go to a retail store in the rural area the entire business is happening on the same mobile screen his kid is also taking online session on the same mobile phone he is you know maintaining his books calling the supplier calling the customers on the same phone so this one screen which we call like mobile phone has been so very you know important in the emerging market so i feel this kind of paradigm shift which is happening in the technology is not coming from the western market it is very much of the of the emerging thing so, so yeah, so they're where we are and we have to, we have to kind of like for an example, super applications, super apps are not, not something which are being too, truly and uh, warmly uh, adopted by a developed market. But look at China, WeChat or, you know, like, uh, and for m in, in in Africa, how beautifully they have uh, embraced such of these super apps in their lives. And which is certainly contributing for the for the greater good in, in, a, in a way, yeah. Yeah, I yeah.
4: completely agree with Shefali there. I, I I truly think that there is huge potential for the emerging markets to come up with a, a later but much better version of things that we are seeing in the developed markets. So I, I think that, yes, they can take inspiration. They can take ideas but make it better, um, make it much more suitable for, as Shefali was saying, lower resource um, situations, or perhaps even, you know, serving the needs better, right? So there is huge potential for that. And I, I truly believe that's going to happen. Um, you know, that's I think that's the reason that we are so positive and we feel so fondly for this paper, because we truly do see that happening it can happen digital payments here digital wallets are probably used even more than what you would see in developed markets like we still i still use like the credit card that you know you tap it that's probably the extent of how advanced um it is but here you go down to buy like a little you know ice cream cone and you use google pay right yeah so it's gotten to that point, and I, I think it's going to surpass um, developed markets at a certain point in time.
2: Yeah, yeah. So uh, I I think uh, we all agree that uh, the traditional channel has been uh, modernized, right, and adopting new technologies. And again, as you uh, just uh, mentioned, like the consumers are also you know using smartphones, you know across you know different uh, socioeconomic levels and in the bottom pyramid as well. Uh, but also we have been you know uh, conducting research and trying to understand how, how to adopt these technologies right So I, I, I'm a little bit I, I love the idea, but I'm a little bit skeptical about you know uh, having a, like a nano store, you know a virtual space where you can go like to the nano store and buy some products right um, while there are so many. That have not been able to even adopt a POS system, you know. So they, they they don't even do like basic things, you know, like like bookkeeping. So so like as an analogy, uh, they 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 breathe, but uh, they they cannot even write, right? So so what are the the like the barriers, the the, the challenges that you have identified towards the adoption of these analytical tools?
3: So, yeah yeah um, no um, I think this the origination of uh, this paper uh, came from these two questions one that there is a need for a shift and the second if this shift has to happen then how would it happen right because there is a constraint there are the challenges. So now looking at the challenges, of course, they are humongous. When we started collecting data and when we were in the field and some of my RAs who were helping me out in this data collection, we used to go to the retail stores, forget about the mom and Bob, organized retail stores. They would say, well, you know, you're talking about the analytics. We are right now really running behind the numbers. <laughs> so even though, like, as what Camilo said, that yes, you can read but cannot write. So you, are you walking the talk, right? So you say that well, you know, the organ—I will not take the names here. You are an organized store. You are a well-known store, right? And you say that you are full of resources, but still you are not customer-centric. Why it is happening? One big thing: skill set. The skill set is not really competent enough. That they can deliver what is needed. And also at the same time, I feel more than the skill set, what is important is the mindset shift, right? That the mindset of the organization or the retailer or the manager has to believe in the fact that these numbers or these analytics can help them. Because it has always been a relational. Or the relationship building exercise. Or it has always been, do we, though we say that we are moving towards the engagement marketing now, but most of the stores and the managers are still into the sale orientation, literally into the sales orientation. You we, we know the orientation, marketing orientation, right? From production to product to sales to you know the relationship, right? It's like you have the salespeople, come on, man, you have to sell the product. Right. You are a, you are a category manager. You just have to give the number. Right. But from how you will target the consumers are missing. People are calling us when we are a consumer. We, people are calling us for the product, which we don't need. People don't call us for the product, which we need. So if that yeah. is the gap, then how we can fill it, fill fill, 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 it. Right. And for that in the paper, we have actually shown the transition path towards analytics adoption. So. Challenges for the organized, yes. Transition path, you know, we will talk about. I'll just talk about more in terms of the challenges. That now come up, come to the to the to the small or organ unorganized retail store owners or the retailers, right? What do they think? They believe well. I have a very uh, specific or fixed capital in hand, right? and my job is if i have put 100 dollars for an example 100 dollars in my business am i getting 150 dollar back or not at the end of the month right cut the operational cost or other things right okay who are the who are the people who are working for you most of the people who are working in the store are the family people right the family members or the relatives so what is happening is that it's all within the family. The fresh air is not coming in. The training is not there. The exposure is not there. How they will get it? This is whose responsibility? Who is responsible to make this whole idea, you know, available to everyone? I'll give you an example of India, where... Uh, government of India is nowadays taking an initiative, which is Digital India, right? And if you all are aware of it, this Digital India promotes every single human being, or you know the 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 Indian citizen, to have the digital payment system in on their phones, have the account bank accounts, because you know a couple of years back, even you know the bank accounts. Uh, were like a kind of luxury for these people like cannot even open the bank account because you have to give some kind of you know like um, to, to open it like you have to you have to give some kind of backing to to the bank banks or the bankers right So so what happens that the initiative from the government are important to make this happen and to make the retailers exposed to what is needed to become the digital. And I believe not just India, talk about China, talk about Africa or, or Korea. Like they are actually coming up with these kind of initiatives. So likewise, in India, you know, there was like, we've just finished that decade of innovation. So the president of India actually announced the last 10 years as, as the, you know, you know, the decade for innovation in the country. And in that, everything will come in. Whether it's an innovation for the retailers, innovation for the technology, innovation for the product, how we can make the most sustainable product. At the same time, this um, uh, ESG kind of goals, which now government is co- kind of coming up with, the local authorities have to come up, you know, with with more communication. So I'll, I'll tell you that um, the city where I live in. Uh, the government, the, the state government, uh, uh, you know, is very close to us. Like this, all the officials, sits in right. They reaches out to us and actually ask us to create the communication uh, exercises and activities for these kind of policies and these kind of you know all government related uh, initiatives because they want all the initiatives and policies to reach out to every single person in 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 the in the country. So, so yes, challenges are humongous in terms of resources, yes, infrastructure, yes, the skill set is not built properly, yes, but how can we make the way out in the midst of all these things? So, in the paper, we have talked about it. Maybe Divya can take that thing to elaborate more on that, how organized and the unorganized rural and urban retailers can do so. Yeah. Divya?
4: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think Shafali covered, um, you know, a lot, like almost all of the challenge, the main challenges that we had found. Um, on a more, you know, specific level, I think what these retailers struggle with is, okay, fine. Let's say that there is a retailer who has been convinced about the value of analytics and, um, you know, I, I, he, he or she wants to adopt analytics. Fine. Okay. Then what happens? How do they go about? That's the next big challenge that they face. They don't know what are the specific steps I need to take? What are the specific analytics that I need? What are the ones that will truly give me some sort of benefit, some sort of value for the kind of business that I am doing? Right? So that is, it's like once you cross one hurdle, there's a next hurdle that also needs to be overcome. And that's, another uh, you know a a big challenge that that we have tried um, to at least address it by no means are we saying that it's like you know a comprehensive solution like take this and and go find out Uh, but it's more like a very strong step in that direction to provide them with at least a starting point right Um, obviously there's more to be done in this area hopefully we shall do it together Um, but it's in that, in that path of helping them overcome these challenges. And to that end, what we did propose in the paper were the transition paths, right? Uh, we understand that organized emerging market retailers are at a different um, stage of their journey. They have a certain different set of challenges, whereas the unorganized retailers in the urban, as well as in the rural uh, setup, have a different set of challenges, right? So their transition paths can't be the same just on account of who they are and uh, how they are struggling, you can't expect them to follow the same steps and reach the same outcomes. So that being said, when we think about, um, you know, organized retailers, yes, they have, you know, comparatively relatively deeper pockets than the unorganized retailers, which is wonderful, right? They have some amount of investment that they are able to do. Um, But at the same time, what they lack is that access to skilled uh, analytics professionals, correct? That's the huge gap that they have. So um, that is, you know, that's what they need to build on. What they require is trying to either build those analytics capabilities in-house or somehow trying to gain those capabilities from other other companies who are providing those services, right? So either you build it organically in your own company Or you get it from somebody else and there's no shame or no problem in doing either way. Whatever works for that particular organized retailer, go for it, right? Um, If you think about the unorganized retailers, on the other hand, much more limited capital, right? If we think about the urban urban uh, unorganized retailers, for them, it's probably better for them to try to collaborate with organized retailers who are at least closer in terms of geography, in terms of, you know, the way that the market is. Because a large proportion of the organized retailers are in the urban markets. So they deal with the same, um, you know, customer base, the same sort of uh, logistical or other issues, uh, marketing requirements, same sort of customer behavior. So all of that, I think uh, that is what kind of drove us to say that, OK, maybe there's potential for uh, the organized and the unorganized urban retailers to sort of collaborate and and find a way to work together. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, and there's I think also, that's a very
0: good point. Yes. <laughs>
4: yeah. Like, why not? Why not help each other? Yes. Right. It's a known um, fact. Um, you know, at this point, it's a known fact that you have you cannot just compete with each other blindly. You have to find some ways of collaborating for mutual benefit. So, if that's possible, we are all for it. Right. Um, so. Another thing that we did think of was given how payment platforms are proliferating here in emerging markets, they have a wealth of data, right? Not just a wealth of data, they actually mostly do have the analytics capabilities to come up with reports, come up with insights, um, you know, come up with ideas that the um, emerging market retailers can use. So they are also um, a very, very good option for uh, the unorganized um, urban retailers to work with and um, like if you think about the rural unorganized uh, retailers of course for them the, the 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 leap that they have to make the jump that they have to make is much bigger and it's much more difficult for them because they are severely constrained as far as resources right be it you know human resources be it financial resources be it technological resources like they're kind of um getting it from all ends which is really unfortunate but that's the role that the government has to play. We do mention very clearly in our paper that this isn't something that you're just going to find a one-shot uh, solution to. It has to come from different players in this entire ecosystem. So you need help from organized retailers, you need help from the government, you need help from policymakers who can come up with regulations that will make it conducive, encourage these uh, you know, uh, unorganized retailers to really get the value out of analytics. Sure, they may not have the ability to find the people to do um, any sort of analytics or find the data even to run any analytics on. but is it possible for a bunch of them to come together and have somebody like an expert sort of guide them, maybe help them find data, maybe help them get access to you know uh, larger data sets or um, you know data resources maybe again from payment platforms, right? Are those possibilities? Why not? And that's something yeah. that we bring out in our uh, um, in the transition path for them that the unorganized rural retailers really need that push. and yeah. that push has to be driven by by the government, by the policymakers, by the community itself. so
3: that's yeah. that's something that we truly feel and is adding- lacking. Yeah, and adding to this, uh, when we talk about the government support, it cannot really go just by the government and the policymakers. Uh, We have also talked about the industry collaboration uh, where uh, the pockets of knowledge repositories can be built. Uh, We call it like community knowledge repository kind of thing. And a lot of, uh, uh, in other sectors, like if you talk about the farming this is already being done, you know, happening where the weather forecast related stuff or the irrigation related stuff, you know, knowledge is already being this those kind of knowledge is already being disseminated to the farmers by right? those community based knowledge repository, which has being the collaboration of the industry and the government and some of you know some of the experts like scientists and the doctors coming together. So likewise in the retail sector also, and you will be. Uh, kind of uh, amazed to know that uh, like for an example government of india has also initiated such e-commerce platform where uh for, not about the flipkart and the amazons of the world there is a specific e-commerce platform which will actually support the 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 smaller and the medium uh size retailers to put their product out there with a lesser amount of uh uh, commission or the the cut they have to give to the platform. So those kind of initiatives are being, you know, considering over the period of time. It's just that we need to be more aware of it. And as, as a research scholar, I believe that opens a whole lot of discussion among that, how that, you know, we can use the technology in the best of the fashion. Again, for the payments, uh, you know, we have talked about the payment platform subscription model basically we are talking about right you have the data you know like make it the analytics oriented and you can just share that knowledge and you can give the subscription you take the subscription fee the payments platform can take the fee from the retailers and you really do not need a data scientist in your shop or in your retail store right you can just take the knowledge from the from these kind of subscriptions So like how we have OTT platforms, right? We just subscribe for a particular movie or particular web series, right? So likewise, you can just have it like, okay, this is my uh, target group or in my vicinity, how much or how the consumers are buying, you know, spending and where are they going? All that kind of knowledge can be really be available, uh, you know, on, on your fingertips. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think startups or like, you know,
4: sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Rafael. (laughs) No, 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 Um,
2: please.
4: uh, So I was thinking that, you know, uh, yes, industry collaborations. I think when we talk about industry collaborations, uh, uh, a potentially budding form of that could be in terms of tech-based startups or tech-based companies that can maybe develop apps like this or develop services like this, just the way that Shefali was talking about go ahead you know you want to make it a subscription model as long as the retailers can see the value in it and they can see how it is affecting their um you know their sales their relationships with their customers I, I i as long as they see the value i don't think that they would be so opposed to spending that extra um if it's helping them improve their business performance so there is a role for everybody if they just you know want to play it yeah, yeah.
0: Thank you so much for the interesting discussion it's really really insightful like how how enthusiastic you're about about all the different innovations that are possible and of course there's also the drawbacks but i think it's uh insane i, what I, is happening. I think what's
1: really interesting is that think, this uh, is probably just the tip of the iceberg right so we're, we're only getting started and i have a feeling that um you know this is the first of probably many conversations because this topic is going to give us uh enough to to talk for the Next several decades, I, I shall say. Sorry, so I hear you. Uh, it, it's it's been really great to have you in the in the podcast, right? So this is the emerging market retail podcast, and of course we had to have your paper, right? Which is you know the first three words are emerging market retail, right? And <laughs> so it's just a perfect fit, and we're the, really really. The happy name of to the paper was
2: it. inspired on our podcast round. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, we have to say
1: that, right?
4: we we gave you a great opportunity to just put these two together
1: yeah so i mean but
4: no thank you so much like yes it was truly truly fun to be able to discuss this usually it's just Shafali and me having this conversation so it's nice to have you know three more individuals who are just as fascinated by this area of research as we are and thank yeah. you
3: for providing this opportunity to you know, like talk about this paper to 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 the world because uh, uh, once we write and once it gets published, that you know we all, always get onto the another pro- another project, right? So it was a good uh, recap for us to to go back and talk about our uh, published one. So thank you for giving this opportunity. And now uh, uh, I just want to add one more thing here that in the paper we also also have given a. Uh, a very insightful uh, metrics, right? So which uh, talks about that, how at different levels, uh, which kind of analytics can help, you know, where the retailers can can focus on in their upstream and the downstream activities. So it is, this is pretty handy for the retailers that how they can use it and can make the most out of, most out of it, yeah.
1: Wonderful. Yeah, th- thank you for, for adding that. Um, we're, Unfortunately, running out of time because I think we still have many, many exciting <laughs> topics to to discuss. But like I said, this is, I think, a huge topic um, and one that where you've really provided, I would say a, a first very first, very important first step um, uh, for many academics like like us who are really interested in this domain. And again, I think this will uh, be a, a long-term conversation of which we're just having the first uh, uh, the first discussion today. So thank you very much for joining us. And Thank it was lovely to have you.
4: Thank you for Thank you having so us. It was so wonderful talking about this with all of you.
3: This podcast is brought to you by Tilburg University.